Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. We're just so excited you're with us today. We're kicking off a series today uh, from the book of Revelation, chapters 1 through 3. We're going to be looking at it for the next seven weeks. <clears throat> and, um, and we call it Things That Are. Uh, this is a famous passage. Um, chapter 1 is what we're going to cover today, if you want to turn to it. And then uh, chapters 2 through 3, we're going to take six weeks to cover those. Um, and looking at what Jesus is saying and then what he's saying to, to the churches. Um, and here's what I love about the book of Revelation is that the point of it all is Jesus. There's a ton in Revelation. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot that you can study and learn from and great people that, that have different views on certain parts of it that aren't um, essentials um, that have to do with maybe end times or, or what it's going to look like and everything. But the point of it all is always Jesus. And so I want to start us off right away by, by looking at part of the first verse. And you just can't beat an intro like this. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, if somebody doesn't want to keep reading at that point, I don't know what to do for them. Um, but, but that is a, a big, bold statement. And no matter what your, your thought is and your study is and your belief is about uh, revelation and end times and tribulation and, and the millennial and rapture and all the words, you're like, don't those mean the same thing? I don't know. Do I, you know, we, we get so bogged down and that's fine to study, but it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. He came on the scene and he said, John, I'm going to show John something for my churches yeah. now and for my churches down the line until the end of it all. Many people, when they look at the book of Revelation, uh, it's intimidating to them. It, it feels huge and, and, and scary and, and confusing in a lot of ways. And it's like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to read it because it's just so much to, to look at. But there's no need to be scared. There's every reason to be excited when you read the book of Revelation. And, and here's a, a, an important thing to take away. It's actually a letter to churches. Yep. Okay? It's not this uh, ethereal, uh, huge thing that we're, we're never going to figure out. It was written to churches, just like Paul wrote to churches and, and Peter wrote to more of a general church. Uh, Jesus came to have John write to these seven churches, and this is what we're going to study. So we're going to look at the first three chapters during these seven weeks, and then next year we'll take a big chunk and look at it, and then, and then later in the year, I mean next week, next year we'll look at uh, the middle chunk, and then at the end of the year um, in 2023 we'll look at the, the final part of it. But, but we got to look at what they're facing then and, and how it lay, overlays in, in our lives now. Um, you know, the... The churches there, the seven that they were writing to, they were facing threats from people and government. They were facing the seduction of, of pop culture around them and, and, and attacks by even by religion uh, of the day. And so, so we have this, this letter that Jesus gave John and where he's, the, the main goal is to help us to to understand and recapture the point of it all, which is Jesus Christ being preached to the ends of the earth for the sake of people coming to know him and have a relationship with him so that when the end comes, we know where we're going. The Roman culture was really harsh 
and, and it was intimidating. So this unveiling of Jesus, because revelation means the unveiling. Another meaning of revelation is apocalypse. When you hear the word apocalypse, it's kind of like, oh no, sounds horrible. But the real meaning of apocalypse is unveiling. So it's the unveiling of, of, of Jesus to the churches then and our church now and whatever church, maybe if you're visiting, whatever church you're a part of, it's Jesus being unveiled, revealed to you and I to inspire us to remain faithful in the midst of of everything that we'll face. Now, what it's not about and what it's most certainly about is very important because you read a ton of stuff in there and it's, it's cool and it's good and it's fine, but we've got to keep our focus on what it's really, really, really about, which is Jesus. It, end times, yeah, there's tribulation stuff in there. There's beasts and, you know, stuff and, and visions and giant locusts and, uh, you know, all this stuff that you see, it's about Jesus. It's a letter written to churches and it's hope-filled and uplifting even in the challenging times because that's why it was written to, to encourage people and when they were following Jesus well and to challenge him when they weren't so that, so that we could all be on task for the gospel and, and what matters most. And again, there are a lot of great thoughts and views and summaries on, on Revelation. It's this poetic, prophetic, uh, symbolic, adventurous letter uh, that brings a lot to mind, but do not miss the point of the letter by looking for what pales in comparison. The purpose of Revelation is to unveil Jesus. It's, it's, it's the book of Revelation, not many revelations, right? Is that me or you? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to keep going. Jesus being revealed in a way he's never been revealed before because part of the unveiling is I'm showing you something new about me. Um, and, and so to read this book with any other focus is kind of like sticking your eyeball on a single brush stroke of a, of, a, of a painting and trying to figure it all out. I want to show you this amazing graphic I came up with. Now, uh, that's high quality right there. Some of you, I, I don't think anybody can figure out what the painting is, but, but imagine if that's all you got of this very famous painting, you'd miss the whole point. Show the, show the real one. So it's one of the most famous paintings ever. It's called A Starry Night by Van Gogh. It hangs in the Museum of Modern Art. And, and if you focused your eyeball on part of that moon-looking thing over there uh, in the right corner, you'd miss the point of the whole picture. Now, does that moon matter? Sure, it's a great part of the, of the painting. But don't get so hyper-focused on the stuff in there that you miss the Jesus in there because he's the point of it all. He alone should captivate us for life. So we can look up all those other things and we can learn about all those other things and we can, we can come up with some understanding and, and grow in our understanding of those other things after we firmly focus on Jesus, Jesus, Jesus and all that he has for us. He's the one that should captivate us. He's the one that we should talk about the most. If you talk about end times and tribulation and what it all means more than Jesus, you're missing the point. So we get to choose what matters most. Jesus addressed choosing what matters most in a famous story with Mary and Martha in, in Luke chapter 10. 
And, and, and it says this, uh, a lot of you know the story. He went there and one was working hard in the kitchen and the other was just sitting at Jesus' feet worshiping. And the hard worker was like, what gives? Come on, she's a sloth. And so this is what, what came, uh, she didn't say that, but she thought that, we know she did. All of us workers think that about those people uh, in some, you know, when we're not doing well, right? So it said, but the Lord said to her, so Jesus said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. You get to choose what to be concerned about in your life. So are you going to be Mary or are you going to be Martha? Are you going to do the stuff or are you going to follow the Jesus? Are you going to worship the king or do all the stuff to make the king notice you? That's, that's what, we, what we get in, in the book of Revelation. Are we going to, are we going to be, have Jesus unveiled to us or are we going to look at all the minutiae? Which that stuff's fine in context and after the fact of following Jesus. Revelation should motivate the believer to always pursue Jesus, to obey his words, to, to really live in church community, to go and to tell the gospel to those who need to hear a good word or good news or salvation opportunity for them. Jesus is the centerpiece of everything, and he should always be the centerpiece of your lives. Right, Pastor Jeremy? Absolutely. I think the pulpit's got to be bigger for this Jesus message, too. Hey, here's, here's the thing about that, too. Anybody details, details people? Okay, five of you. We're in serious trouble. Um, I like details. I like plans. Uh, on this mission trip, we had plans, and guess what? They changed. Details changed. Details. You know what remained the same in the middle of all that missions work? Jesus. Are you, are you picking up on this theme that that is really what matters? Is that revealing? Jesus wanting to be known fully for who he is and what he's come to do and accomplish in your life. I'm going to read our first eight verses today in Revelation chapter 1. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants and events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is the report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey all it says, for the time is near." This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. Can I get an amen on that? Same yesterday, today, and forever. From the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things and the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all kings of the world. You get excited. I don't know. I get excited when I was reading through this. It's like, woo, Jesus. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him. Even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who 
who always was and who is still to come, the Almighty One. I don't know, I've read, I think between Scott and I, we've read like four or six commentaries on Revelation. This one's kind of like old school. Yeah, it broke my brain too, but it was really good. But I love, I love the fact that sometimes when you read it, you get, anybody ever read Revelation, you get freaked out? Come on, be honest. Okay, there you go. But it's about Jesus. And I love this, Dr. McGee and his, his commentary on Revelation. When he's talking about grace and peace, it says, grace and peace be unto you. Did you know that that word in there, the Greek is, is grace, is charis, this grace, ultimate grace of God that he's long suffering and waiting so that everybody can be saved, right? Because eternity's coming, amen? And it says, so the Greek is charis and peace, anybody know what peace is in the Greek there? Shalom. Jehovah Shalom, your God that is with you, for you, walking all this thing out to the very, very end of this book. I'm with you, is what Jesus is saying. It says, peace flows from grace and grace is the source from all of our blessings today. The book of Revelation reveals the grace of God and also peace. We don't need to be frightened as we study this book. We can have the peace of God in our hearts. So the goal today is we hope that you will walk away with this one thing, if nothing else, to love Jesus with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, every shred of who you are today. And guess what happens? The rest of it falls into place. Amen? Amen. Jesus, I want to focus on you. I want to love you with everything that I am. And I want to live out this life that you're giving to me. I want to live on purpose. I want to live on mission. So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning as we're looking at Revelation? What is he unpacking in your own heart and life that maybe you need to refocus on him? Verse three, I love this. Read the word, hear the word, and obey the word. It says a blessing will come from those that read this book of prophecy to the church that you spend some time reflecting on it. But again, what is it all about? Jesus, at least three of you got that now. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the revealing of him. But it's not just reading it, it's being obedient to the things it's saying for us to do, right? What does James tell us? That faith without works, this knowing of Jesus without actually going and doing something with it is completely pointless. Romans says it too, and in, in, in chapter two, it's like, man, don't just be hearers of my word. Don't read this book of Revelation. Let it change you and then tell somebody about it. Amen. I'm thankful that verse eight wraps it up for us too on, on this section. And he says, I am, I am, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever from Genesis to revelation. I have been with you. I am for you and I am working it out for you. So if he's the beginning and the end, he's He's the A, B, C, D, E, F, G all the way in the middle too, amen? Like he's not confused. Jesus isn't up there wringing his hands about this unveiling and revealing of himself. He's like, look, it's me. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Focus on me. Live out this thing that I've called you to do to preach the gospel, to be present in that. I love Isaiah's challenge to us too. You keep him in perfect peace who's what? 
mine is stayed upon, upon you because he trusts you. Sons and daughters of the living God, do you trust Jesus? In all of the world's circumstances, I mean, coming out of the woods in Alaska for seven days with no cell service was amazing. And then you get the news ping, you're like, oh, right? But man, perfect peace exists in Jesus, for Jesus. And he said, it is my grace and my peace, and I give it to you. Live on mission. I'm going to pray for us in this section. I'm going to pray that we would focus our hearts and our minds on the one to where our help and hope actually comes from. So Jesus, as we look at the rest of this text today, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to you, that we would see you in a new light, that it would be fresh and full of life. God, that we would understand that grace and peace has been given to us to extend to those that are lost and hurting and broken because one thing is for sure, you will come back, the end will come. But until then, we need to live on mission and we desire to. So help us to focus on you, Jesus, and look at your life. You came to seek and to save the lost. Let us think and look and seek you in that and realize that if we're supposed to live our lives like you, we are to seek and save those that are hurting and broken. So the, the world makes life in Jesus really hard. I mean, it's, it's alluring to some. It's, it's easy to give into because it's just nonstop harassing and it's easy to jump on any kind of world bandwagon because it's got no, no basis, so it's easy to jump on, jump off. Uh, the, the, the world can, can be intimidating um, and, and, and just hard to, to constantly stand and stand and stand without just kind of getting exhausted or you just get kind of ebbed and, and worn away. Uh, by, by the things that the world, you know, tries to, to, to feed you. It's intimidating. I mean, science attacks, uh, pop culture mocks. People can say anything they want without any truth being attached to it or, or adding in false to truth. I mean, it, again, it doesn't need basis. It's the world. But, but here's the thing. It's because the world is lost. People are lost. And people are deceived. And Jesus didn't come to save the world. He came to save the, save the people in the world. The world's going to burn up, go away. Whatever it is, we're going to get a new one. But he wants all the people with him. And, and so lost and deceived people, well, they'll do whatever because they've got no Jesus in their life. And that's why we take Jesus to them. It's, you know, it's why Second Peter is such a great understanding of God's patient love in the midst of a world gone crazy. Uh, it, it, you know, this, this judgment is coming, right? So, so, so we, we wonder oftentimes, and you probably question it too, why don't you just come now? Like, can it get worse? You know, uh, why don't you just come and, and deal with this now? Well, here's the thing. He's patient because he wants more to know him before he does come, because the end is coming. Peter writes in 2 Peter 3, 8, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. He's writing to the churches, the believers. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really 
being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. The very elements themselves will disappear in fire. The earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. On into verse 14, it says, So dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Verse 17 I'm warning you ahead of time, dear friends. Be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All glory to him both now and forever. Amen. Judgment is hard and it's absolutely final. But God is is still patiently holding himself back. The only thing holding God back is God. And he's patient for the sake of us doing the mission of Jesus so that those who don't know him can come to know him because he made them to be his sons and daughters. His desire is that every human on the planet is saved and that every newborn gets saved and that no one goes to their, to, the, to their last breath without knowing him. That's his desire for us. So he's patient in his love so all can be saved. But the time will come when, you know, when God will kind of kickstart the end and then it's going to come fast. We read in different places in scripture that when it starts, it starts fast. Kind of like if you took time, I don't know, I used to grow up uh, uh, playing with dominoes, not games, but setting them up to tumble, you know. Uh, and I, so I would just get every domino I could, just make the whole train around, and, and you accidentally hit the one, it ruins everything, goes both ways, you know. But, but when you get a good one, I mean, it's, it takes a long time to set it up. But once you knock that first one down, it doesn't take long to finish the job. And that's what the end will be like. It's, he's taking his time, he's patient. But when the end comes, like he says, it's, it's going to come like a thief in the night, that's why verse 7, uh, I just love the, the verse 7 that, that Jeremy read. It, it's so cool because it's going to be huge and it's going to be perfectly clear and understood that Jesus is back on the scene. Everyone will see, including those who pierced him. Now, they're dead now, right? So he's talking about sinners. Those who don't know Jesus are going to see him come back, Okay. So it's going to come, but, but in the meantime, we have a job to do as the church. Rapture, right? Anybody got a theory on that? How's that going to look like when we all get sucked up into the sky? have no idea. Um, I remember sitting with one of, my, one of my pastors once, and I said, so what is it? Is it going to be pre-trib, post-trib, middle, like... So, and, and he says, Jeremy, I really don't know. I think it's all going to pan out. Pan theory. There you go. There's, a, there's an, another popular one for you. Because it's all going to happen, right? But what about the lost? What about you on a consistent basis living this thing out, unveiling Jesus to those that are lost? 
if this book that we're studying, the book of Revelation is about the unveiling of Jesus and we're supposed to be about God's business of being disciples and making disciples, what, what are we doing? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning about living that piece of that out? Be my disciple, make disciples, preach the good news. Beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news and you're all Y'all have beautiful feet, regardless of what your spouse says. They're beautiful because the message that comes is hope and life is his blood poured out for you. It's pretty amazing. Picking it up in verse nine. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us, I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast, like that didn't freak him out, I'm sure. It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergam, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were like white wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like, like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. Pretty amazing. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid, I am the first. And the last, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys to death and the grave. Amen. Yeah. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So, so we see right there, Jesus is with his people, right? I mean, he's, he's saying, I'm holding the seven churches in my hand. So the seven lampstands or seven churches, what do lampstands do? You know, they're not for hitting things or nailing things or, or propping things up. They're for light, right? So you stand them up and they give light out. So he, he's right there. He's, he's holding the churches in his hands. He's right there with you and I. And these churches, they, they're going through struggles and, and oppression, but Jesus right there among them. He's like, you're not going through this alone. And as lampstands, we have a job to do. We're going to get to that in chapters 2 and 3. So the six weeks after today, we're going to cover what, what we're to do if we take those seven churches and, and lay them over our lives. Every church, every believer has the, the responsibility and the opportunity to be a lampstand. Amen. That's what we sign up for when we say yes to Jesus. We don't get to accept eternal life and say, I don't want to be in the game. 
We're on the starting team from the moment we say yes to Jesus. We're called to shine a light in a dark world, shine a light in dark places. Isaiah 9 prophesied that Jesus would be the, dark, would be the light to come into the darkness. People that were stuck in deep darkness would see a great light. He's the light of the world, and then he says, you're the light of the world. We talked about that last week. He says, you're the light of the world. He says, you're the lampstand. You are the picture of Jesus to the world around you. Some people are, are stuck in the darkness of their own doing. You're still the light lampstand to them. He's the point of revelation. But, but us being light is the point of us following Jesus Christ. His primary purpose was to save us and to give us eternal life and, and to, uh, to give us a, a great commission to live out. And our primary purpose is to be that light, to be Jesus to the world around us. Yet it can be hard, right? I mean, it, it can be tough. And so here's John. He's, if you don't know the story, he's exiled on this island of Patmos. And it's not like Maui, right? This is a craggy rock uh, with miserable weather, and he's exiled there. Instead of killing him, they just thought we're going to make the end of his life more miserable. He's exiled there because he's a leader in the church of Ephesus, and so he's, Paul starts the church, and then, um, uh, and then John is the pastor there, and then he gets sent away, and he's in exile. And so he, it's tough. He's older. All of his friends have been martyred that, that, that followed Jesus together at the beginning, He's the old man left, and life is hard, and he's probably thinking, gosh, is this how it, like, I believe, and I don't stop believing, but is this how it ends? And then Jesus shows up on the scene, and so when he is in awe, and he's, and he's scared, he, he, he's probably scared for a couple of reasons. He's probably scared with, with just, is this my life? Like, I'm just going to die on a craggy rock? But then he sees this, whoa, Jesus character, he's, he's a lot different than the last time John saw him. And, and Jesus goes up to him, and what does he say to John, his friend? Don't be afraid. I know it's tough. I know they're against you. I know they opposed you. I know they murdered all your friends. I know this is not a great place to be, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of me. You know me. But also don't be afraid of what you're facing around you. The might of the Roman Empire was against the church, and Jesus came to say, don't be afraid of what's going on. And when you see Jesus for who he really is, I mean, it should make your knees wobble and, and make you go, whoa, you're like Jesus, Jesus. You're not like Jesus, my homeboy or something. You're like, wow. And he saw Jesus in all his glory. The description is, is wild and it's hard for us to even figure that one out. But it's not this world and this culture that we should ever be in awe of or that should make us quake in our boots. It should be a holy, reverent awe fear of Jesus Christ, not afraid of him, but in awe of him. The world is not the mighty one. Jesus Christ yeah. is. And that's what he wanted to reveal to us in this final book in the Bible. So a major problem that, that we have is that we place our security in other things out there. I mean, ask yourself, what fears affect you right now? What worries affect you? What doubts or wonders, like, I wonder how I'm going to make it, own you? 
Take up space in your mind and heart. Affect your relationships. Is it work? Is it relationships? Is it your kids? Is it a family dynamic? Is it your marriage? Is it your health? Is it friends? Is it end times? Is it questions that you're like, I don't even know if I'm saved. I keep asking myself. I keep getting saved every week. I'm just not sure. Is it, I don't know if we're safe as a family. Is it finances? How about politics? Does politics take up a place in your mind, in your heart, in your life that it does not deserve? I know I struggle with that. Sometimes I'm like, I just got to see what the last dumb thing was. I got to look. I got to look. And Jesus is like, I'm right here, Scott. And this is literally, this is my fight this week. I'm like, no, I need to know the dumb thing's done so I can get mad about him. I sat in my office and had this conversation. I hope Pearl didn't hear it because it was out loud. Uh, and no one was talking on the other end. But, uh, but I was like, no, I, they just they bothered me so much. And I want to be, I want to know if I should be upset about something. I said that. And, and I really sensed Jesus say, I'm right here. Why in the world would you eat junk when I'll feed you the best? Yes. I'm like, yeah, but yes. you're clapping, but I wasn't there yet, right? <laughs> it, it owned me this week, and I was so, and I hadn't even filled up with gas yet, right? <laughs> but maybe like me, because this is what Jesus gave me. A friend of mine came in to talk to me, and we talked about things going on in his life, and, and it's just so good to sit there with him and, and, and to, to have him just, like, want to pursue Jesus, and he walked out, and I was like, none of that was me. That was all you just loving on him. You're so good, Jesus. And I felt Jesus just lovingly reassure me. So maybe, like, me, you need a, a soft, reassuring, peaceful voice that is still mightily powerful. Yes. Maybe you need this simple touch from Jesus to come put his hand on your shoulder and go, it's gonna be okay. Yes. Don't be afraid of things that don't matter. Live in awe of me. Right, Jeremy? Just thinking about our friend Dave Eubank who does missions in the, one of the craziest parts of the world. And he said, don't allow people and circumstances to take up space in your brain that doesn't pay rent. That makes sense? Don't allow circumstances, people, relationships, things that are not Jesus-focused to take up space in your brain, brain that does not pay dividends forward for what you're called to. Amen? As I was praying, and come on, stand up with me. We're going to pray and close the service and go back into worship. The word on the airplane the other day as I was asking Jesus, what do you have for HCF? God, there are feel fearful things. There is stuff happening. The world is super jacked, but you don't change. Where's the final battle going to take place? I do not know, but I know who wins. Amen? Jesus wins. And every day we can live remembering that the great I am is with you, that he hasn't changed, that he is here for you in these moments today at these altars as we go into worship. If you're wrestling, come wrestle with Jesus and be like, Lord, here it all is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you have it. Remember, don't be afraid. I'm with you. John, I'm with you. Jim, I'm with you. Susie, I'm, I'm with you. I haven't left you. I'm still working it out. Remember who I am. You're a son and daughter of the King Most High. 
you're seated at the right hand of Jesus in heaven. Like there's all these seats stacked up. That's where you get to hang out. That's your destiny. He calls you friend. You're a disciple of Jesus and you get the opportunity to reveal Jesus, to unveil Jesus to people as you go. Remember church, stand firm because victory, victory is yours in Jesus. Amen. Amen. So God, I thank you for the opportunity to talk about you today. Jesus, may we remember that you have laid a really good foundation and it is time for your church to rise up in righteousness and build, to move out, God, and expand. I declare, God, that your goodness will rest upon this house, that, Lord, we will focus upon you. Jesus, we will talk about you. We will live for you. HCF will be a place where you visit. Holy Spirit, where you show up and you impact and change and touch lives, that love and salvation will be available through you and you only here in this place. So Jesus, I ask that as we go back into worship, as we come and maybe dump some stuff at this altar today, that we would remember that you have been unveiled and that you are absolutely beautiful, worthy of our worship, that Lord, we would focus upon you and not our hearts, not our circumstances, but you and you only in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.